Hello, everybody, and welcome to another segment of the Crowcast. In today's episode of the Micro Moment, we will go back in history and talk about one of John's favorite microbiologists. This, of course, would be the story of Jon Snow and the birthplace of epidemiology. For those of you who don't know, I'm Tess. And I'm John. Now on with the show. So let's tell you a little bit about 19th century London. It was in the middle of the Industrial Revolution, and there was a thick haze in the air. The sewage uh, infrastructure was incapable of coping with the growing population, even though there had been a lot of warnings for that. And so human excrement was building up outside the city and baking in the heat of the summer sun. Yeah, 2020 may be bad, but uh, this was pretty bad as well. So this resulted in the great stink. So imagine human feces overflowing into the Thames River, you know, the one that flows through London. I don't think I want to imagine that. Oh, you're going to have to. Oh, that's gross. So Londoners got their water from... What if we just imagine it as poop emojis instead of like real poop? I mean, you can. It's a little better to imagine. That's what I'm imagining. Whatever floats your feces. Oh, God. (laughs) So everyone got their water from the Thames, and they used it to wash their clothes, cook, or drink. Ow. And this big stink came with a lot of diseases. In particular, we saw bacteria vibrio cholera cause cholera outbreaks in four waves in the 1800s. But this was during a time when they didn't even know what bacteria was. No. They didn't have a name to many of the diseases or ailments that they were um, facing. No, this is all based off of... uh, the leading theory was miasma theory, or the air was bad. There is some bad air out there. There is. I mean, you can see this even during the uh, plague outbreaks where they burnt copious amounts of sulfur to try to uh, combat the miasma, which in the end probably did more damage to the lungs than they intended. Yeah, looking at medical history, they did a lot more damage than I think help. In uh, many scenarios. Like bloodletting. Like bloodletting and leeches. So should we talk a little bit about what cholera is and about the disease before we jump back into the history? Yeah, let's do it. So, Vibrio cholera is normally found in salty or brackish waters and hangs out with shellfish. But it can also infect people and spread quickly through a population. So, the biggest symptom that cholera produces is explosive diarrhea and we're not talking about one or two times on the toilet we're talking about 18 liters a day that's almost five gallons like five milk jugs of water you're losing a day and this can easily lead to dehydration and death uh, from either dehydration or electrolyte imbalances yeah, so Vibrio cholera um, actually stems as part of the genus Vibrio, which also has a number of other pathogens in it as well. So Vibrio parahemolyticus and Vibrio vinifera, Vulinicus? Vulinicus. Vulinicus are also pathogens, but you usually see them associated with raw self- shellfish or oyster bars. 
Um, particularly on what are those things called? The ships with the vacations and the people and their vacations. Cruise ships? Yes. Cruise ships. I have a PhD. And as a side note, these diseases normally reside in warm water, but as climate change continues, we're seeing that these uh, bacteria are going further and further north up the coast of the U.S. Yeah, and that was actually one of my first research gigs was um, patrolling or monitoring the Vibrio perihemolyticus population in the Great Bay Estuary uh, near New Hampshire. Now, let's, but let's, we digress. We'll go back to Vibrio cholera. Uh, so there is nearly, today, there's nearly 4 million cases every year, with most of the outbreaks occurring in Yemen and Somalia. So yeah, these are uh, relatively new outbreaks. Um, you're going to see any area with poor sanitation or lack of safe drinking water or areas that have, uh, what are they, monsoons, mm-hmm. usually don't help. So what is the treatment? Uh, it's kind of a a wait for the disease to run the course and the only uniform treatment is oral rehydration therapy and this is a treatment that has been around for hundreds of years and hasn't changed yeah and it's super gatorade or powerade if you will and it tastes nasty but it does save your life it saves your life so it can't be that bad so let's go back to the 1800s in London, where Jon Snow didn't know about cholera. He didn't know about microbes. There was no rehydration therapy. And all he knew was that everyone was cleaning their clothes with poopy water. Shitty water, yep. Had been going on for hundreds of years before then. And everyone thought that cholera was due to miasma. Yeah, like we said before. This stemmed off of uh, a theory that Hippocrates first uh, hypothesized where diseases were caused by imbalances of humors in the body. And as a side note, he thought that there was a such thing as a good pus. Mmm, yummy. Yeah, so keep that in mind. <laughs> so Jon Snow comes in the picture because he had been working for, not working for, working with cholera for 20 years. It started as a surgeon's apprentice uh, where he came across uh, several patients afflicted with the early, with earlier outbreaks, and he made some pretty detailed notes about the symptoms. And later on, he went to school and he graduated from the University of London with a medical degree. And he kept trying to tell the city about cholera, and the city kept saying, "You know nothing, John Snow." And then he went to the wall and got eaten by White Walkers. Not exactly true. Oh, and then he became the bastard child of Ned Stark. No, you're mixing oh. history and fan. Well, what did this Jon Snow do then? <laughs> well, he did save a bunch of people. How did he do that? So during the time of August 1845, the third cholera outbreak occurred of the 1800s. And what did he do? He decided to uh, interview a lot of the people in the area where this outbreak was occurring. He's and like a detective. He was a detective. He was like a statistical Sherlock's home. And he also mapped out the cholera deaths. 
and noticed that most of these cases centered around the broad, broad city pump, which was supplying water from the river. Uh, and those that weren't getting sick were using water from local wells. Or just drinking beer. I bet you were the son that just drank beer. Probably just beer. Yeah, that sounds like a nice life. And I've been to London. It's a nice place, but I know the history. And I can only imagine that those local wells weren't that clean either. <laughs> well, I don't think anything was clean back then. No. Not up to our standards, at least. John had a theory that the disease was coming from the water supplied by the pump and he was able to convince local officials to take the handle of the pump and the cases immediately dropped in the area. So they determined he did know something. He did know something. But people weren't convinced that the water was the source of the disease. But in a couple of months, another outbreak occurred. Oh no, they just can't get a break, can they? No, this was a separate, not a separate, a different area of London that was being serviced by two water companies. The first was the Lambreth Company and they had, they were taking water more upstream in the river and the second company is the, I'm sorry if I butcher this, the Southwalk and Vahal Company, which were taking water from the area that was heavily contaminated. Ooh, let me guess. What? One of them was supplying cholera to its customers and one was not. Yeah, free of charge. Free of charge. Free cholera with your water. Man, that's kind of suck. And they, they, they probably didn't even have a choice of what water company was servicing them, right? No, I think that just whatever was piped to their house, you had to pay for that company. Yeah, but just think of like... As an observational study, this is amazing. Like, how often when you're doing science do you get two perfectly good groups that are controlled to test your hypothesis against? He must have been stoked. I mean, yeah, that was because of that epidemiology came out. And that, without that, it probably would have taken a long time before it even came about. So how did he, what did he decide? So, <clears throat> using... uh. Again, interviewing people, he found that the Valhall company had fatality rates from cholera 14 times higher than people using the other company's water within the first four weeks of the outbreak. Whoa. So this proved that bad air was not the cause, but it was coming from water. And I want to mention now that this was strong evidence that it was a microbe doing it, but it wasn't definitive proof. You could have... You could easily argue that it was a poison at the same time, too. Did they call this cholera back in the 1800s? Or did they not have a name for this disease? I want to say yes. I, I, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, cholera had been around for so long that it was, it's even been referenced in Indian temples that wow. are thousands of years old. But this is one of the diseases that the bacteria is named after the disease, not the disease for the bacteria. Right. I believe so, yeah. But he died never knowing that it, about microbes. Actually don't know. Hmm. I don't know when he died. I should have checked that. So the, co 
The causative agent of cholera was discovered that year by Italian physician. Do you want to take that name? Filippo Puccini. But it went unnoticed uh, during that time because he published in a small journal and almost all physicians in Italy only believed in the miasma theory. Well, every physician all over the place only believed in miasma theory. Most it took did. John Snow three cholera outbreaks to prove that it was a miasma theory. Yeah. And it wasn't until 1883 when Robert Koch was able to isolate it. He did everything. He did a lot. He's the father of microbiology. Even though Robert Koch got the, the fame for discovering cholera, in 1960... Uh, Puccini was declared as the one who identified it by the International Committee on Nomenclature. But I bet you they didn't choose his name for the bacteria. No, they didn't choose his name, but they did choose the name that Puccini gave the microbe. So he named it cholera? He named it Vibrio cholera. After the disease? I want to say yes. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm saying, if you know, write us in, let us know. Through his work on investigation and statistics, John Snow developed the basis of epidemiology, a branch of medicine that is used to determine the origins and patterns of disease and health. It's how we find the source of E. coli outbreaks from spinach, or how we try to determine flu vaccines to develop each year. And the techniques that John used are still in use today, fundamentally what we call shoe leather epidemiology. Yeah, so this would be kind of like your contact tracers with COVID-19. So these are, during the COVID-19 outbreak, the disease was able to spread globally due to lack of contact tracing. Since then, contact tracing has employed hundreds of people who are responsible for the safety and reducing the spread of the disease. Contact tracers like Jon Snow interview people who have the disease of interest to help determine who else might be exposed and thus help curb the spread of the disease. So if you know any contact tracers or are contacted by one because you are suspected COVID positive, make sure you talk to them and thank them because they're doing some really important work. They really are. And as a side note, we just want to close by saying that you can still go visit the Broad Street Pump in London. Yep. Although it's not easy to get to if your only means is public transportation. No, it took us a while to find it. But we are determined microbiologists and went there we did. And there's a pub right behind it too. It's called the John Snow Pub. Well, you'll find drunk people at all times of day, which is what's so great about London. Yeah, you can stroll up there around 8 a.m. and there's people that have been drinking the night before still there. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. So do you have anything else to talk about with Jon Snow? I guess one more thing I can add is uh, the reason I called it shoe leather epidemiology is because you walked around interviewing so many people, the leather in the bottom of your shoe would wear out. Huh, that's interesting. Well, Microbial Nation, that's the end of our show. We hope you learned a little something about history, epidemiology, and of course, of Jon Snow. Thank you so much for listening, and if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share with a friend. Also, if you have any comments or feedback, please let us know. You can find us at microbigales.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-G-A-L-S dot com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
So remember to feed your, your mind, mind, feed your, your guts, guts and make your microbes love you lots. <laughs> <laughs> One day you'll get that ending. <laughs>